Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to be able to do this podcast and talk about uh, the things that really matter to our daily lives from the perspective of the Bible, looking through that lens, right? The scriptures and the truth and the biblical worldview and uh, really talk about things that are not sometimes popular to talk about and some would say controversial, others would say political but these are issues of life that we Christians in this day and age have to be aware of and have to deal with and make decisions on how we're going to go forward and approach this. And I think we've got a great perspective today from our guest, Gary Ka, who's back with us. Hope for the World is the website. He's an author, former Europe and Middle East trade specialist for the Indiana State Government. And uh, he's worked with economic staff at American embassies on trade-related projects. And he's been with us many times. It's such a blessing to have him back on. Gary, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, David. It's always good to be with you, my friend. Thank you. And same here, to be with you. And let's get an update on your ministry since we talked last. What's going on? What's new? Travels? Uh, what's happening? Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, it's it, it. 2022 was maybe the busiest year we've ever had. It was just very full with everything happening wow. in the world, and, and the Lord opened up a number of doors um, that had not been opened before. Um, I had the opportunity to speak in Washington, D.C. at a major conference of, of uh, Christian leaders and included uh, six U.S. congressmen and women who are believers. Um, and, and so I think it was a year, as we look back, of uh, kind of a breakthrough year of, of reaching Christian leaders worldwide. And um, also shared on a podcast with a pastor I met over 25 years ago back in Scotland. And he's now a, a well-known pastor in Ireland, uh, Keith Malcolmson. And um, we, we did a discussion for an hour or so, and a week later he contacted me, and he had put it on YouTube. He has a special YouTube channel uh, just geared toward Christian leaders. And after one week, it had reached over 30,000 internationally in countries all around the world. So just some amazing wow. things happening that have never happened before. And so we thank the Lord for these opportunities and, and are totally humbled by them. But the Holy Spirit is clearly at work trying to get this, uh, this message and information out because it's, it's more and more difficult for Christians to be discerning with everything mm -hmm. that's being thrown at us these days, mm -hmm. all the deception out there. Mm -hmm. So I just thank the Lord for, mm -hmm. for your program and, and uh, David and Mary, what you're um, doing, trying to get this message out, and also for the, the platform that it, it gives me to be able to discuss these things. Really, really appreciate it. Well, we, we are blessed by your uh, research, your knowledge, and your contribution to this. Uh, Christians are being informed and challenged. And, you know, also encouraged. We've got to keep that perspective, but we can't stick our heads in the sand as far as what's going on. Uh, yesterday, Mary and I talked about, was it yesterday, Tuesday? No, yesterday. 
What is today? It was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday we talked about the Biden administration's globalist um, public health emergency policies, renewing that, mm-hmm. extending the COVID-19 Emergency Act. We talked about Bill Gates' agenda, population control, misinformation, and the World Health Organization's push to control nations. And, Gary, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe talk about the uh, dangerous possibility of surrendering U.S. sovereignty and vaccine passports. But I want to follow up to something you just said. Do you think, do you perceive more believers in churches waking up to what's going on, or is it the average person just saying something's just not right about this? And are, are more people waking up? Yeah, it's it's both of those scenarios. You have some just common sense people out there uh, who may call themselves uh, Christians, but not necessarily walking with the Lord, but um, they're seeing something is desperately mm-hmm. wrong. This can no longer be a coincidence. Somebody is intentionally mm-hmm. uh, driving our nation into the ground. Yeah. I mean, a crisis is being created on every front of life, you know, yes. uh, whether it's the border, uh, the economy, energy mm-hmm. prices, food, I mean, everything. And uh, that's by design. And I believe these people want to get things to the point where uh, the people of the world throw up their hands and say, you know, this is it. Um, I mean, we need a new system. The old system has failed us. Um, And so they're setting the stage to introduce the system that they want, this new world order, the Great Reset, uh, 2030, as, as some call it. Um, and, and so that's where we're headed. And if you understand that ultimately this is a satanic drive um, and it's a spiritual battle being waged, then it makes more sense. And I, I think in the Christian realm, uh, more and more Christians are, are waking up to that. Um, the problem is, frankly, so few pastors mm. are willing to address these topics or yeah. Bible prophecy from the pulpit um, because the, the young pastors, they come out of seminaries all around our country that aren't teaching this, and they themselves have become indoctrinated, maybe without even realizing it, some of them into the woke agenda, and so don't expect to hear this from the pulpits and churches. And you compare that back to the days of D.L. Moody. Uh, it was said of him when D.L. Moody pounded on the pulpit and spoke, the halls of Congress thundered and shook. <laughs> Because it got to the point where in in the state of Illinois, the legislators realized if they don't run something past Moody first before they introduce it, it wouldn't even have a chance of passing. He was actively involved speaking into political situations, and in his mind, there wasn't a separation of, of, of the two. And uh, But somewhere along the line, people got the idea that talking about anything controversial or political, no matter how important it is, uh, you know, doesn't have a place in the, in the church. And um, and so then, you know, that means fewer Christians running for office, yeah. which who's going to run then? Exactly. You know, it, it, it creates a vacuum. Mm. And so you have secularists and atheists and uh, all kinds of people that fill in the gap, and then we sit back and complain about why our country is going down the tube. So part of it is the fault of, of Christians waking up so slowly. Yes. But I'm thankful that more and more are coming around. Amen. Mm-hmm. Hey, Gary, you wrote your book, uh, En Route to Global Occupation. Would that have been the early 90s, I believe? Mid- yeah, it came mid- out in late 91 and late early 91. 92, okay. right in there. Well, we go back that far because we read your book, and you spoke at Calvary Chapel back then. Um, and, you know, at the time we were en route to global occupation. You are here. We are <laughs> in global occupation. And I guess I'm wondering, my question for you is, is it uh, unfolding the way you anticipated? What 
I mean, it's obvious that times have changed since you wrote the book for all of us, but what strikes you? I mean, is this ex- what you foresaw in this kind of thing, and did you expect to see this to such a degree? Well, yeah, first of all, yeah, Mary, we go back a long way, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we fact, do. uh, David, I knew Mary years before I knew you, brother, and wow. I've known you a long time. Yeah. But uh, thank God for, you know, Calvary Chapel Appleton and Pastor Dwight over there who um, uh, have taught Bible prophecy and are willing to, you know, uh, look at these kinds of issues. And it was one of the very first churches mm. that I was able to uh, share um, about this topic mm. at. And, and so wow. uh, since those early days, 92, 93, back in there, so much has happened. And a lot of this stayed just beneath the surface till about the year 2000. And then that was kind of a coming out celebration. The, the globalists, the powers that be, felt they had enough people now in their back pocket behind the scenes that they could begin to test the waters and go public. And then the last two years of the Bush administration, uh, between 2006 and 2008, I noticed that the ball really began rolling forward mm. more quickly. And then under Obama, it just, mm. you know, really mm. accelerated. Um, uh, these forces, I don't believe, counted on Trump getting in. And he actually began to undo some of their agenda, and they couldn't have that. So we saw what happened, and, and now Biden is in, and it's just coming in very quickly. And so if people don't wake up now, uh, they never will, um, you know. It, it, but uh, having said that, um, I, I don't know how quickly this will all play out. Only God knows that. And so we, as as Christians and and people who God has given a platform to, I think we need to lay the information out there, point people to the Bible and to the Lord, and you know, leave the timetable in, in, in God's hands. But but right now, it does appear that things are a lot is going to happen in the next three years. Mm-hmm. If half the things that that the globalists have planned come to fruition, we're going to be living in a different world three years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, Gary. I'm looking at the subtitle of that book. In, in the 90s, it was a secret agenda for world unification. Well, it's no longer a secret. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I think we referred to uh, Hidden in Plain Sight mm-hmm. a couple different times during the podcast. So it's interesting that uh, their words are available, their speeches are online, they've been quoted, they've written books, some of the global elites, the power elites, and some of the radicals, and we know what they're thinking, we know what, they're, what they'd like to do, and it's just the people, I think, maybe even in the 80s and 90s were thinking, that's so far-fetched, they're never going to be able to do that or get away with that, but boy, have we learned a lot in about 40, 30 years, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right, and and I think a lot of it is that the younger generation, and, and thank the Lord for some really bright, discerning young people. We've mm-hmm. got a batch of them at our church, and I'm so thankful for them. But generally speaking, across the board in our nation, uh, you look at the 35 to 40 and under crowd, and they're about 70% in the socialist woke camp. Yeah. And that's a lot to overcome. And the older generation that has been more conservative by about the same margin, uh, more and more are dying off each year. I've lost seven friends in the last year and a half who were in their 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all passed young. I mean, just uh, a shock. One more uh, just a couple of days ago. And, and so mm-hmm. you've got a lot of, especially men, uh, who've been taking a, a stand, dying off, and many younger people 
you know, who are on board with the one world agenda in the name of the environment, many of them. You know, we've got to save the planet. We have to enact all these different environmental uh, rules to save the planet and not realizing some of them that this is actually a big part of the strategy of the globalist movement. And so the environmental movement, uh, for the most part, is one and the same with the globalist movement. And the same can be said, uh, if we want to transition here, regarding the, this World Health um, Movement, what they're trying to do yes. with, the, with the, you know, the um, international health passport and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Um, it's completely commandeered by globalists who uh, uh, want to uh, get more authoritarian-type uh, regulations implemented so that they can have full control over every move that we make. Well, we talked about obviously yesterday about the uh, Biden administration extending the COVID-19 Public Health Emergency Act. And there's still this debate, Gary, about the vaccine, the efficiency of it, the, the, whether it, uh, what, I mean, I'm looking at this, this thing of quotes, this, um, I got Fauci, Biden, I've got the CDC director, uh, Rachel Maddow, Bill Gates, and others. Th- their quotes from a, couple, a year, a year and a half ago, for example, saying when people are vaccinated, they're not going to get infected. Um, vaccinated people do not carry the virus and do not get sick. Um, everyone who takes the vaccine is reducing their transmission. Another quote, now we know vaccines work well enough that the virus stops. And Biden, of course, said you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations and you're going to keep your whole neighborhood safe. So the propaganda has been around and it's been really disproven now by the last year and a half of history or two years. And yet there's no accountability. No one says, hey, you said this, but were you really not understanding more about it or were you just lying? And here we are today, Gary, we're still fighting this thing and and a lot of it's propaganda. Yeah, it is. In fact, we broke a story in the spring of 2020. Uh, my article was titled COVID-19, A Global Conditioning, and it actually connected a lot of the dots of this deception. And uh, we do have that posted uh, at our website. People can go to GaryCod.org, and if you go to the archive section, go back to the spring of 2020, again, it's called COVID-19, A Global Conditioning. Um, but what I want to uh, mention right now is uh, Dr. Robert Malone, mm-hmm. who was one of the uh, founders of, of the mRNA uh, technology. And uh, I came across an article here recently, and I just want to quote him because he is one of the top experts on all of this. This is what he says. He says that the paradox is that most of the countries with emerging economies and low vaccination rates also have the lowest COVID-19 mortality rates in the world. Mm. He said, it's likely that we're going to continue to see this trend. Um, According to an organization called Our World in Data, only 1.4% of Haiti's population has been vaccinated, yet they only had a death rate of about 73 deaths per 1 million. Wow. Now, you compare that to South Africa, where 32% of the population uh, has been vaccinated. Their death rate was and is around 1,700 per million. And here in the U.S., where two-thirds of people have been vaccinated, the death rate is over 3,000 per million. Wow. So, I mean, think, let that sink in. And Haiti... We're hardly, no one got vaccinated, mm-hmm. 
uh, 73 deaths per million here in the U.S. over 3,000 per million. If this was any other vaccine, yes. it would have been pulled from the market by now. No Absolutely. question about mm-hmm. it. And so clearly there's an agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Malone goes on to say, he says, the RNA from the vaccine produces more spike protein than the natural infection does. Now that makes sense about why we see more adverse events with the vaccines than we see with the infection itself because spike is a toxin. Um, The article concludes, uh, it says, Malone, president and co-founder of the International Alliance of Physicians and Medical Scientists, said over 17,000 doctors and scientists have signed a declaration stating unequivocally that genetic vaccines need to be withdrawn. These genetic vaccines are not working, he said. So you've got these 17,000 doctors and scientists. That's a big number from all around the world, Mm. but you don't hear them on MSNBC Mm -hmm. or CNN or ABC or any of the others. Uh, Fox occasionally has uh, some of them on, so I'll I'll give them credit for that. But there's few and far between. I mean, all of this has been debunked, uh, and more and more people in the medical community know it as well, but they've committed themselves. Yep. Many doctors mm-hmm. strongly encouraged, almost forced their patients to have the vaccine. Yes. So now they don't want to go back and say they were wrong because they don't want to be held liable for any right. problems that have resulted because of the vaccine. Exactly. So they've created their own trap. And, and so now, um, unless you're with the doctor who is on this early on, mm-hmm. uh, like we are right now, who strongly discourage people from taking the vaccine, um, they're between a rock and a hard spot. What do they do? Mm-hmm. Do they follow their higher ups, uh, you know, who are saying, hey, the vaccine's great. We're going to come out with another one. Everybody needs to take that. Or are they going to back off and say, you know what? Uh, there's too much uncertainty here, too much documentation mm-hmm. regarding things that can go wrong. I'm not going to recommend the vaccine anymore. And I hope that if some doctors are listening, that they will fall into that latter ca- category. Yes, and look look at all of the immunizations or vaccines that children are getting now that uh, never, you know, we got a handful when we were kids and now they're up to, I don't know, what, 60 or 70 in the course of a childhood. Mm, and when this ridiculous. first came out, and when this all first came out, I thought, I remember thinking and shrugging my so- shoulders and thinking, what about natural immunity? That's always been the way it is. But scientists and, and these officials want to get a handle on our immunity. They want to control. Um, they don't want to acknowledge natural immunity where you get something and then your body recognizes it and you don't get it again. We are so far gone in that arena. I don't know that's ever going to be discussed yeah. anymore. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And despite all this evidence coming out against the vaccines, these people are planning to double down. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember Event 201, right, yes. in 2019? Yes. Um, that's one of the meetings I wrote about in that article I, I, I just mentioned uh, moments ago, COVID-19, a global conditioning. This is where Gates and the World Health Organization and people from the World Economic Forum and others basically went through a dress rehearsal mm-hmm. for an international pandemic. And then two to three months later, it began unfolding exactly as they um, – I want to say planned in that tabletop exercise because it does look like this whole thing was planned. And I know that's conspiratorial, but man, it, you've got the same people involved pushing the vaccines who were involved in that uh, tabletop exercise in 2019. Well, guess what? They just had another one this last October. It's called catastrophic contagion. That was the actual uh, name. Um, 
mirrored the meeting. It says the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Uh. conducted catastrophic contagion, a pandemic tabletop exercise, in Brussels, Belgium, on October 23rd of 2022. It says uh, the group of participants consisted of 10 current and former health ministers and senior public health officials uh, from a number of countries in Africa, as well as Singapore, India, Germany, uh, and also Bill Gates, uh, who was there. And uh, it says um, the exercise simulated a series of WHO emergency health advisory board meetings addressing a fictional pandemic set in the near future. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part in one part of the world that then spread rapidly. Now listen to this: becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID nineteen, and disproportionately affecting children and young people. End quote. So it's discomforting to know the same people that were behind the COVID nineteen uh, drive and push uh, just had another meeting. And they're talking about a worse pandemic that's going to affect children and young people. Now, how do they know that? Mm -hmm. And why are they doing a dress rehearsal for this? I think that is telegraphing to us uh, what is to come over the next couple of years. I don't know when this is going to break, but I I found out just yesterday, uh, two days ago, that in one province in uh, east-central China that has about 90 million inhabitants, over 90% of them right now are mm. infected with a strain of, uh, of COVID. Wow. And in Shanghai, it's about 75% of the population. And some of these people have been boarding planes. I know two planes that traveled to Australia in the past week full of people. And so if that same uh, percentage carries over, you know, if over half of the people boarding these flights are, are leaving the country and traveling around the world, it's just a matter of time till that strain uh, takes hold in the rest of the world. And I don't know if that's going to be the one that uh, affects uh, young children more adversely or not. Um, <clears throat> but these people are, are, are playing with fire. And, and um, all these people that have protected themselves, overprotected themselves in different ways uh, from COVID itself, their immune systems have been shut down. And that's what's happening in China right now because mm-hmm. the uh, draconian lockdowns they had the Chinese people, their immune systems are mm-hmm. failing them, and they're all catching these viruses, and they're dying by the thousands over there. And the media is not covering this. I mean, it's it's horrible what's happening in China right now. So I, I, I do hope and pray that it doesn't spread over here anytime soon. But um, I, all this to share that there, I, I think there is more to come. We've just seen the beginnings of it, unfortunately. Yeah, that's really disturbing. Um, I remember, I don't know if people have seen this video, but I think I have it at home somewhere. Uh, it's Fauci speaking, uh, it's a YouTube video and he's speaking at, I think it might be Columbia University. It's 2017. Trump has just gotten in and he says, mark my words, there will be a pandemic during this administration. Really? How yeah. did he know that? And mm-hmm. so to me, that was just the, you know, between the goalposts, uh, that's all I needed to hear him say it. And I did hear him say it. Well, and, and the same forces, Mary, are behind this, what I'm calling the International Pandemic Treaty. That's not the official yeah. name of it, but right. um, you already know this. But for those who don't, uh, the International Health Regulations Review Committee of the World Health Organization is meeting right now to finalize mm-hmm. this, uh, what I'm calling this, this treaty. 
and they want to get it done this week so that they can submit it to the World Health Organization because they have to do that four months before the meeting of the World Health Assembly if it's going to be considered at that assembly, and that assembly meets in May of this year. Mm-hmm. So they're on a, on a timetable. Um, if all of this is taken up by the World Health Assembly in May, then you're going to have the ratification process begin at that point. And uh, all it takes is a simple majority of the 194 member nations. Mm-hmm. And recently at a meeting of the uh, G20, uh, which had leaders of the world from 20 of the most populous nations, over 60% of the world's population was represented there, uh, they all signed on, I mean, uh, said they would support this, including Biden, mm-hmm. who was at that meeting. And, and so sometime later this year, it appears this is going through the ratification process and will be ready to go either later this year or in 24. And we would do a change with the health organization, our power, uh, to a governing body. Nations would bind legally all kinds of requirements uh, uh, result because of this uh, uh, being ratified. Uh, for example, uh, the WHO, uh, their capacity would be expanded what they consider to be misinformation and disinformation. Um, it would also create an obligation to and maintain an IHR infrastructure at points of interest. So they would, would control all entries and exits from countries. Uh, in other words, it would bring the UN control under the World mm-hmm. Health Organization's control. We'd be surrendering a good piece of our national sovereignty if this was through. And I'm just, I'm just touching on a yeah. few of the things. Mm-hmm. Article 18 of that agreement uh, would give the World Health Organization the authority to require medical examinations, proof of prophylaxis, proof of vaccine, and to implement contact tracing, quarantine, and treatment. So we would no longer be on our own as a nation. We'd be abiding now yeah. under this, what's becoming a global government system. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we come back from our break. We've got uh, four minutes left, Gary, and I want to come back, bring it back home to um, just what a lot of people are seeing and perceiving where uh, young people are having problems uh, with this the vaccine that they've we've never seen before young people that are physically healthy athletes collapsing dying and I want to take us to an article that um, the American Heart Association published a study confirming mRNA va- vaccines may contribute to myocarditis now they're admitting that at least they're admitting it's a possibility but we've got uh, just a brand new article, 16-year-old girl, the latest to, be, to suddenly collapse and die in the middle of a sporting event. Um, uh, another teenager, then a 21-year-old Air Force cadet, um, an Old Dominion University men's basketball player within the last week. And these incidents signal a disturbing trend among healthy athletes. So, Gary, it's not a coincidence that there's an uptick in the last year or so of this happening, but unfortunately, our media is complicit in this, and they're not reporting fairly. And as you said, said some doctors are even they had their minds made up; they don't want to be sued now, so they were pro-vaccine, and now they can't change their stance. Give us some sense of what you're thinking about here, with all this going on, and people are just not hearing the truth. Yeah, we we have a a, a doctor friend, a very good doctor mm-hmm. in Costa Rica, uh, who's a teller of the truth, and they warned us early on um, when the vaccines came out 
that the there would be some people that initially have an adverse reaction and, and just drop dead. There would be some of that, but they said the biggest damage is going to come 18 to 24 months down the road. Wow. Um, the more people that get these vaccines, uh, the long-term side effects would begin to kick in, and I think we're seeing that. In fact, oh, in some Lord. countries, the biggest category of death in the last year has become unknown. Yeah. Dying from unknown causes. Uh, I know for a fact that's uh, the case in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so those statistics that were once public information are no longer public now. They mm-hmm. pulled them because so many people were catching on and seeing wow. that now the leading cause in Canada is of unknown deaths. Um, a friend of mine in Manitoba just shared that with us here recently. So, again, yeah, people need to wake up. And, and these technologies are, are not meant for us. These are, you know, they're, they're playing God with, with uh, all this DNA stuff. And, and uh, maybe if I can't get all the way into it before the break, I'll touch on it afterwards, but I'll start here. I just came across an article, a friend of ours from Italy, who's a researcher, sent us. It's from the Economic Times News. Mm-hmm. The title is World's First Artificial Womb Facility is a creepy glimpse of pregnancy in the future. And uh, I'm quoting here, it says, you can use the elite package, which would let you engineer the embryo genetically before they implant it into an artificial womb. You can choose intelligence, height, strength, hair, eye color, etc., and avoid genetic diseases. Hashem Al-Ghali, the brainchild of this, says, Ectolife is entirely powered by renewable energy and is the first artificial womb facility in the world. The World Health Organization reports that around 300,000 deaths happen due to pregnancy complications. Ectolife will help reduce human suffering and reduce C-sections. Ectolife will make C-sections and premature births history. And then a concluding statement, they say, Uh, that every feature is completely science-based and scientists and engineers have already achieved it. Wow. So they've already done this. So you wonder uh, what person or persons are walking around now that have already been part of this experiment. All right, we've got to take our first break with Gary Ka. When we come back, we're going to go back over to China, Berlin, Germany, and talk about Russia, Ukraine in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Gary Carr, guest today. Gary, we had to cut you off because we had to take a break. Let's wrap up uh, that, those thoughts on what you said was coming out of Berlin. Yeah, uh, uh, the gentleman who's been heading up this project, his name is Hashem Al-Ghali, and he's doing it out of Berlin, and this thing's ready to go. And, and so you're going to start seeing uh, babies engineered genetically and growing in these bubbles. I mean, this picture that's in this article, it's, it's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. But this is where we're at now. And again, they're saying they've already done this. They've achieved it. And, and so um, it just an, another example of where this DNA technology is taking us. And I, I'm afraid it's going to get worse and, and not better. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking uh, during the break, you know, you just wonder how much th- longer the Lord's going to wait mm-hmm. uh, and put up with this because it's just it's just getting out of control. It's the evil of, of man. And it reminds me, uh, you know, the passage in the Old Testament, uh, talking about the building of the Tower of Babel, that if that were to be allowed to continue, anything would be possible mm-hmm. for them. 
and that God was not in favor of that unity because everything would be possible for them. And it seems as if when somehow when when the world comes together and and increases their technology, increasingly it's used for evil. Um, back in those days, Nimrod would have been in control. It would have been a type of world government of that day. And so God intervened and scattered the people. And it was a false unity, a satanic unity that was taking shape. And I see the same thing mm-hmm. happening again in today's world, and this time with all the technology that they have in their hands to um, consolidate power and, and try to uh, force this one world, this wicked one world agenda upon us. Mm. So let's, you wanted to mention um, Ukraine and Russia and share your thoughts on what's going on there. Um, I was skeptical of Zelensky even before I think people chose sides because I heard of his emulating Emperor Trudeau up in Canada and uh, him wanting to be like, I mean, a globalist, a good old globalist. I want to quote Robert Malone, uh, Dr. Malone, who actually he tweeted this out. This is Lara Logan who said Ukraine is at the center of this cult of globalists and the Ukrainian people are being exploited by evil, horrible people. Uh, Do you share that view, Gary? And what else are your thoughts about this situation? Well, uh, let me try to unpack that. It's there's so much going on over there. Um, We've got to go back to the 2016 Winter Olympics in, in Sochi in Russia. If you remember, um, Audrey and I, we were watching the Olympics that night, and this was Putin's opportunity to showcase uh, Russia to the world, you know, and, and he was riding high. And then across the ticker tape, down the bottom of the screen, came news that the pro-Russian government of Ukraine had just been overthrown, right in the middle of, of the Olympics. Huh. And I remember looking over to Audrey and saying, they have poked the bear one time too often. There's no way Putin's going to take this lying down. And within days, he went into Crimea. Wow. I believe that Western intelligence, including our own, uh, I know that they were involved in helping to make that happen. And as a result, provoking Putin to take action. In other words, I believe they wanted to create a war in Eastern Europe, and we're seeing that unfolding right now. And what happened with all of that is Russia... Any, any bio labs and experimenting that they did regarding chemical warfare or anything like that, a lot of that was taking place in Ukraine. They, they, they didn't want to do that inside their own country because if anything goes wrong, uh, then it would leak out and hurt a lot of people. I mean, we saw what happened with Chernobyl. That impacted the people of northern Ukraine in a very negative way, and a lot of them died of cancer. So Ukraine has always been kind of an experimental lab. Mm. Well, when... Uh, the government was overthrown there, the pro-Russian government overthrown, and a pro-Western government came in, basically being put in place. Then all these these biolabs and everything that was going on now came under the control of pro-NATO Western globalist forces. And and so uh, that's just one reason why Russia would go into Ukraine, and why they were provoked to come in. And other reason is... Whoever controls Ukraine controls the Black Sea. And the Black Sea to Russia is like our Gulf of Mexico over here. Hmm. In other words, we would never allow a foreign power to come over here and control the Gulf of Mexico. There's no way. Well, it's the same with Russia and the Black Sea. Hmm. And so when Ukraine went from being pro-Russia to being anti-Russia, I knew 
that Putin was going to do something to take at least, at the very least, the territories along the uh, Black Sea fr- uh, from Ukraine in order to be able to control strategically uh, the Black Sea. All of this war could have been avoided uh, if, if Ukraine would have maybe taken a position similar to what Finland has taken for years, where they uh, uh, get along with Russia but also do good trade with the West. But when the switch was made, when the government was overthrown and a pro-Western government came in, Russia basically lost its closest ally of, of many, many years. And so this war was provoked. That's the first thing we need to understand. So then you have to ask, why was it provoked? Well, if you look at history, World War I resulted in the forming of the League of Nations afterwards in, in 1920, which was the first public step in the direction of, of global government. World War II led to the forming of the UN, which was a much bigger step in the direction of world government. Yeah. And world government is also always presented, this false unity coming together after war, is presented as the solution to the problem. Mm. So I believe the World Economic Forum heavyweights, those at the top, they want to keep this war brewing in their back pocket in case they need to expand it and turn it into World War III to basically mm. scare the world to death and say, look, uh, we've tried everything. We can't have world peace under the current world order. We've seen one, two, three world wars. We need to have a world government to protect countries from each other so that there can no longer be these kinds of wars. And that would be just one reason that they give. Uh, other reasons we've already talked about, you know, the world health crisis, the world economic situation, on and on and on. So this is all part of setting the stage so that people eventually will buy into a world uh, government system being the solution to our problems. Now, having said all that, I was in Budapest a couple months ago uh, because I'm on the board of directors of Ebenezer Operation Exodus. It's an Alia ministry that has been helping Jewish people from around the world make their way back to Israel. And Mm -hmm. our board meeting was in Budapest because Hungary is now becoming the country of choice that people who are fleeing Ukraine, including a lot of Jews, Mm. uh, are going to, because Poland is basically full. They they can't take uh, many more people there. And so while in Budapest at this meeting, we were able to talk to people both from Russia and Ukraine regarding what's going on in there. Um, In Ukraine, the top Jewish rabbis in that country said, I believe it was last April, that they want all Jews out of Ukraine within two years. So now we're in 2023, so that would be within the next <clears throat> 15 months. Wow. <clears throat> and so as a result of, of, of that uh, declaration, that word going out, um, since that time, 14,000 uh, Jews have fled Ukraine, 37,000 have come out of Russia. So between those two countries, uh, over 50,000 uh, Jews have gone back to Israel. In the last 12 months, historically, whenever that happens, it's always been a sign of of things to come, Mm -hmm. that things are going to get worse. Um, I expect this war to be long term. Uh, I don't see an end of it coming anytime soon, because that's not what the globalists have planned. Uh, uh, Putin, in the past, has attended meetings of of the World uh, Economic Forum. It appears that more recently he has distanced himself some from them. Uh, Zelensky has uh, a number of, ad- of advisors in his country uh, who have attended meetings of the World Economic Forum. So he is not totally surrounded by globalists, but he ha- definitely has some of the globalist influence uh, guiding him. 
And, and so with that being the case, I believe the globalists are pitting these two countries against each other. And we're going to see more bloodshed, and I think it's going to expand. Uh, a few days ago, Poland announced that it would be sending German-made tanks that they have as part of NATO uh, into Ukraine. The Biden administration just announced this week also uh, that uh, the U.S. would be sending some of our tanks over there. And uh, the U.K. also announced that they'd be sending tanks. And this, all these announcements made within the, the last two weeks or so. Um, when the U.S. declared about three weeks ago, I think it was three weeks to a month ago, that we were going to be sending our Patriot missiles over to Ukraine, Putin took that as a declaration of war by the United States against Russia. Wow. And the American people don't realize mm. that, at least not yet. As far as I'm concerned, the U.S. is now at war with Russia. And... I cringe whenever I hear our media uh, making fun of Putin, talking about how poorly his troops are performing and, yeah. and on and on and on, because Putin sits on top of more nuclear weapons than the rest of the world combined, <laughs> mm -hmm. literally. And it's part of their military strategy now to consider the use of nuclear weapons if it's necessary to win a war. That's a shift in their policy over the last 10 years. Hmm. They used to operate under the mutually assured destruction uh, arrangement, meaning that if they fire off a nuclear bomb, they realize the U.S. would fire back and, you know, both powers would be destroyed, so nobody's going to do anything. But they have shifted that policy to now they would consider using nuclear weapons if necessary to win a war. And uh, if not that, uh, definitely a cyber attack or possibly an EMP. So we're inching closer and closer to World War III. And so it's just one of many reasons why Christians in the U.S. need to get their houses in order. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. We're still living in, in relatively peaceful mm -hmm. times now, but it's not going to stay that way much longer, I don't believe. Gary, you have answered all the questions I had about that. You know, seriously, I because remember when it started, we're talking 10 months ago now. They said, oh, six to eight weeks, this will be over. And it dragged on Who's and they? on and on. Who's this the they? media? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, it'll media. be over in six yeah, to eight it'll weeks. It'll be over in six. Yeah, yeah like they know. Um, you know, and so I, I just thought to myself, why is this dragging on and on and on? And you mm -hmm. have answered that. Yeah. This has been very Next. helpful. Also, another sidebar might be here that um, Putin considers Kiev the, the founding city of Russia. Um, there are Russian Orthodox churches there that he would just as soon have for himself. Plus, he has also requested of the Israeli government to hand over to him three Russian Orthodox churches in Jerusalem. And uh don't think Bibi's going to do that, but he wants uh, sovereignty over those three Russian Orthodox churches. So I think there's a spiritual aspect here, too. And mm. then you have Ezekiel 38 and 39, and um, uh, who knows where it's all going to go yeah. from here. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, you know, the Ukrainian people, the common mm. people, I yeah. mean, they are suffering terribly. Mm -hmm. yes. My father can't even watch the television new newscasts of what's going on because it reminds mm. him so much of him fleeing Croatia. Mm. Um, and, and these people, they just go wherever there's a safe spot at the moment, you know, where the bullets aren't flying. And uh, many of them have lost everything. They're coming to the border with a couple of suitcases and the clothes on their backs, just trying mm. to get out. Um, and, and so war is a terrible thing. And, and again, when you have wicked globalist forces uh, setting the stage for these kinds of things and provoking uh, people to actions, which I think clearly was the case uh, this time around. 
they're going to be held accountable. And someday, every one of these individuals, from Klaus Schwab to Bill Gates, right down the line, you know, all of them, including us, we're all going to stand naked before God one day, as individuals with nobody there to hold our hands. Mm. And that's a sobering thought. And I just pray and hope that even these people who would be considered uh, among our adversaries, that they would repent, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, because they're going to face a long eternity in a place where they don't want to be unless uh, they they turn from their ways. Um, And none of this is a surprise to us who study Bible prophecy, right? I mean, you look at the the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and what Paul warned of, and, and then the chapters in Revelation, and we happen to be living at a time when all of this is coming together very quickly, and it's accelerating. So, yeah, the good news is um, we are in the last days. Uh, the Lord is well, going to return. Yeah. Uh, he fulfilled all of his first prophecies with his first coming, uh, over a hundred major prophecies. There is no reason to doubt that he won't fulfill uh, the prophecies regarding his second coming, and so uh, that's the good news. But between now and then, you know, things could get difficult, and yeah. and I per- I personally feel called to warn the American people and prepare them to go through some difficult times, yeah. because sometimes we think it can't happen here, but in China, you've got major persecution of Christians going on right now and in Afghanistan, in Iran, and those people are just as precious to the mm. Lord as we are here. Yeah. And so we shouldn't think that, um, you know, that it cannot happen here. We need to stay, stand boldly for our faith to the very end, no matter what happens. Yeah, when you said the good news, by the way, we parenthetically insert good news for those who believe and are converted uh, to Christ and have placed our faith in Him, um, exactly. because the unbelievers cannot uh, claim the promises of Romans 8.28, nor the promises of uh, any other scriptures. But I want to jump in these last 10, 12 minutes, Gary, to your article on your website, Beyond the Point of Return. And you've got a section in there called Going the Way of China. And you talk about the U.S. government and media behaving more like this Communist Party of China than the leaders of a free, independent nation. And I wanted you to just share a little bit, in particular about what happened in late September last year with the Federal Reserve announcing a major pilot exercise for an ESG, Social Credit Score System. So let's jump over to your article, talk about China and what's going on in the U.S. and where that is concerned, please. Yeah, well, of course, uh, China, the CCP, has, has tightened its grip on the Chinese people through its Social Credit Score system. They, mm-hmm. they basically watch your every move and if you're not fully in line with what they want, you get docked, uh, and, and it's a point system. And here in this country, they're not going to be able to pull it off as easily, just calling it a social credit score system. But under the uh, ESG, uh, the Environmental, Social, and Governance um, mandate that's uh, being put into place by the Biden administration, it's really a type of social credit score system. And uh, the Fed announced that Quote, six of the nation's largest banks will participate in a pilot climate scenario analysis exercise designed to enhance the ability of supervisors and firms to measure and manage climate-related financial risks, end what? quote. So they're doing this in the name of the environment, oh, in, in the name of uh, 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 climate change. Um, 
according to a financial journalist, Jordan Schachtel, who wrote an excellent article on this, um, he said the ESG acts as a Trojan horse for the continuing centralization of the American financial system. ESG finance, popularized by hyper-political asset management behemoths like BlackRock and Vanguard, acts to prevent outsiders from challenging the regime-connected insiders on Wall Street and in Washington under the guise of acting to manifest a healthier planet. Mm. He adds, he says, the ESG green transition, frequently popularized by powerful world governments and the Davos World Economic Forum elite, has served as the main vehicle for this movement. Akin to the Chinese social credit score, which is used to coerce businesses and, by extension, individuals into specific actions, ESG rules force individuals and businesses in America to deploy mm. capital through the gatekeepers of the system, end quote. And in case you're wondering, the banks that are involved, uh, according to the Fed's announcement of this pilot program, uh, include Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. Wow. And they announced a couple months ago that this program would be launched in early 2023. And guess what? That's where we're at right now. Wow. So if it hasn't already been launched, it will be in the very, very uh, near future. So uh, how does that apply to us here? Many of us heard these bank uh, names listed off, and um, I, you know, I've got a couple different accounts with different banks. I'm definitely one of them's on that list. Actually, two different. I've got a credit card with another one. So, Gary, it, I mean, people want to go. Okay, the, we don't. We believe what you're saying, but how is it going to affect us? Well, it's going to affect us in in a major way because these investment conglomerates are large enough that they can kind of play follow the leader. Other investment groups jump in and follow their lead. And pretty soon, if you're not adhering or abiding by this ESG agenda, you're not going to be able to do much mm -hmm. of anything. And, and this is moving forward in association with the digital currency okay. move. You've got the same group of people involved in trying to bring about a digital currency here in the U.S. Yeah. and getting rid of cash altogether. And so once that happens... Uh, and there's no longer cash, and they can track your every move, then if you're not abiding by these ESG policies, uh, then they can cut off your, your flow of cash through your bank. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important enough to some state governments that they have now begun to act. The governments of Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, Louisiana, and uh, two weeks ago a few more states announced that they have decided to move their state's funds, their state government funds, out of BlackRock because of that firm's commitment to the ESG agenda. And, and so Governor uh, DeSantis of Florida is leading the way on that. Kudos to him. He's really sticking his neck out. But let's go over for a moment while we have time and talk about the digital currency yes. and how that ties in. On November 15th, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York announced that it would be launching a 12-week pilot program hmm. for a central bank digital currency here in the U.S., and these central bank digital currencies, as they're coming out around the world, they're being referred to as CBDCs for short. Uh, this pilot involves central banks, commercial banks, and regulated non-banks. And some of the banking giants participating in this uh, trial run include BNY Mellon, Citibank, HSBC, MasterCard, PNC, TD Bank, Truist, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo, uh, some of the same banks that are also involved mm -hmm. in the ESG 
yeah. uh, program. So there's a, an overlapping there. Um, but in France, Switzerland, and Singapore, those three countries have already conducted a joint trial for their digital currencies, uh, one of the first of its kind. So they're moving forward. These pilot programs are going on all around the world. But China has made the most uh, notable advances in, in this area. Uh, according to Investopedia, and I quote them, China has tested its digital yuan in several provinces, and the currency is even available to users on the popular app WeChat. It recently, uh, China recently added four provinces to its mm. list of regions for the CBDC trial. And quotes, what they're doing over there is they were rolling this out as a trial, as a pilot, but they've never backed off of it. It keeps expanding and expanding, so it's becoming more than a pilot program. It's being implemented. Wow. And I'm wondering if that's how they're going to do it here in the U.S., introduce it as a pilot program, which is now already rolling out this year, and if they're just going to keep going with it and keep multiplying, adding more and more banks and companies until finally they have a majority of our country's finances in the bag, and and then at some point they'll announce you know, a, a national digital currency and a doing away with with cash sometime in the next few years wow fascinating how so many things are happening i mean major developments and stories are happening simultaneously around the world and they all are pointing to this new world order and christians prepare a wise man once said in this world you will have trouble but take heed i have overcome the world that was jesus in john sixteen thirty three. gary two minutes left leave us with some encouragement please i will do that um, <laughs> uh, about a year ago or so uh the lord put some bible verses on my mind and and i just put them down on paper and they they came in into a certain order and i keep this sheet with me everywhere i go now and regularly read it because it just it encourages me and i want to uh share this uh with with our listeners as we close out and it's just various passages of scripture but they tell a story some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of the lord our god so be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So then, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Always remembering that the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Amen. Amen. Gary, thank you so much. We, we go through, so we cover so much when you come on with us. Uh, we can't wait to get you scheduled again. But God bless your ministry and your voice and just the places that you are going to inform people and uh, encourage and edify the saints, brother. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Thank Gary. you so much. God bless both of you and, and your ministry. All right. Thanks, Gary. So let's work backwards from next week. You will hear a couple of pastors, Paul Blair, Liberty Pastors, Pastor Tim Stevens from Canada, who was arrested for keeping his church open uh, up there, uh, Marsha Montenegro, Bill Koenig next. Oh, wait a minute. That's the week after. Um, we've got a new show, Mary and I, next Friday. Pastor Scott Lively on Thursday. Next Wednesday, you'll hear from Fernando Arroyo. 
Next Tuesday, Curtis Bowers in talking about Agenda Weekly. And Monday, you will hear Holocaust survivor Vera Sharav and Scott Shera will be in studio opening up some amazing parallels to Nazi Germany and what's happening in America and around the world. So thank you guys so very much. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.